Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've got handfuls of burglaries every week, multiple a night on some occasions. This guy's good. He likely cases every place that he's going to. Yeah, and so the report that I read is there's no sign of forced entry, and the business says the lock got picked. I'm scratching my head because I've never even heard of somebody picking a lock in our city to gain entry into a business or a house. I've never heard of it. I think it's like, oh, these people watch way too much TV. Right, because lock picking feels so old school. Pretty sophisticated skill. Not to say that Slingblade couldn't go out there and figure out how to pick a lock, but we typically don't run into that where people are picking locks. I'm Yardley. And I'm Zibby. And we're fascinated by true crime. So we invited our friends, detectives Dan and Dave, to sit down with us and share their most interesting cases. I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. We're identical twins. And we're detectives in small town USA. Dave investigates sex crimes and child abuse. Dan investigates violent crimes, and together we've worked on hundreds of cases, including assaults, robberies, murders, burglaries, sex abuse, and child abuse. Names, places, and certain details, including relationships, have been altered to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. While we realize that some of our listeners may be familiar with these cases, we hope you'll join us in continuing to protect the true identities of those involved out of respect for what they've been through. Thank you. Today on Small Town Dicks, we have the usual suspects. We have Detective Dan. Let's cast this pod. Oh, sweet. Detective Dave. Good morning. And actually, Detective Dave is now Sergeant Dave. He has recently been promoted. Congratulations. Bravo. Thank you. I appreciate it. But to avoid any confusion, because we have a Sergeant Dave on the show, frequently guests, we're going to keep calling you Detective. Yeah, and because that's sort of like your stage name for our podcast. And we don't want your brother to get jealous. Do you know what I mean? I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> but in our hearts, you're a Sarge. You are. Sarge. Sarge. <laughs> Takes some getting used to. He wouldn't have got promoted if I was still there, though. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> a little sibling rivalry. It's a big if. Okay. I'm reeling us in, bringing us back to order. Today, Dan... You have a case for us. Tell us how this case comes to you. I was working as a detective. This is a couple of years ago in the spring. And at the time, most of my caseload was burglary. I worked a lot of burglaries, residential burglaries and business burglaries. Pretty steady. Honestly, I would get assigned at least one burglary case every day. What? Really? Oh, yeah. Are we talking somebody stole something out of my car or are we talking somebody burgled my entire home? Well, burglary is unlawful entry to commit a crime. You don't even have to steal something to commit burglary. If you break into someone's house and they're there and you assault them, that is burglary. You could walk in the door uninvited and assault somebody and that's a burglary. It's got to be a building of some sort, like a dwelling, a house, 
an apartment or in the business case, it'd be any sort of store or business, something like that. So there's different degrees and it depends on whether or not you've broken into a dwelling or a business. But Dan, I know there's also a difference between robbery and burglary. Can you just quickly tell us what that difference is? I think the layperson normally will say, my house got robbed. Yeah. Well, robbery implies that you were there when it happened and that they threatened you or assaulted you to take and retain your property. That is a robbery. That's the legal definition of robbery in your state. Yes. Uh And there are varying degrees to that, too, that we could go through. But people commonly say my house got robbed when they didn't get robbed at all. They got burglarized. Okay. So this is business burglary that you're handling. In this case, yes, it was uh, business burglaries, and it quickly grew into many, many businesses. The initial case that I was presented was a bar had been burglarized. It was at night, so it was after the bar had closed. They had surveillance, and the next day when they come in, they noticed that their little sentry safe where they keep the cash is ripped out of its shelf that it was bolted to. Oh. And so... The report that I read is there's no sign of forced entry, and the business says the lock got picked. I'm scratching my head because I've never even heard of somebody picking a lock in our city to gain entry into a business or a house. I've never heard of it. I think it's like, oh, these people watch way too much TV. Right, because lock picking feels so old school. Pretty sophisticated skill. Not to say that Sling Blade couldn't go out there and figure out how to pick a lock, but (laughs) we typically don't run into that where people are picking locks. They're just going to kick down the door. Kick in the door, break a window, or take advantage of a naive homeowner who leaves for work all day and leaves the front window open so it can cool off in the summer heat. Okay. So I respond to this business and walk around and I talk to the employees and I start to get a sense that maybe it might be an inside job that somebody left the door open on purpose and told a friend, hey, by the way, they keep $15,000 in this little safe. All you have to do is go find it and then you can take off and I'll leave the door open for you. So I talked to the employee who closed up that night and she's pretty adamant. I locked that door and I don't get any sense from her that she has anything to do with this. So I watched the surveillance video and it's pretty clear. This guy arrives from the north. They have exterior and interior cameras. So they catch him arriving on a 10-speed bicycle, you know, with the curved racing handles, like old school 10-speed that we had when we were kids. He arrives on that. He's got a three-foot pry bar. There are no pry marks on the door. There's no damage to the door at all, which I'm just, I, I can't get over the fact that maybe somebody actually did pick this lock. Wow. And he's inside for probably a little over a minute. He brings his bicycle inside. I can't see in the video how he gets in. I know he comes through the front door, but you can't see him working on the door or anything because they don't have a camera on that. That seems like a miss. Yeah. So he's inside. He obviously knew where the safe was kept. And he puts his feet up on the shelf and he starts wrenching on this safe with his hands and he pulls it right out of the shelf and stuffs it into a duffel bag, grabs his bike and his little pry bar and off he goes. He leaves in the same direction he came from. And from the video, can you tell what he's like, his age roughly? or He's wearing a mask and it's a very distinct mask. It's like a spandex type material, like an Under Armour shirt. If you cut the sleeve of an Under Armour shirt and just pulled it over your head, it's going to be tight. And you can actually see through it. 
So it's like a stocking mask, but it's the more modern version. Yes. And is there no alarm in this business? There's no alarm. Ah. He didn't cut holes because you can see through it. But also, if you're going to lockpick, it seems like you would really need full vision so he knows what he's doing. Correct. So I'm able to see this suspect arrive on a bicycle from the north. He's coming in through the parking lot. And there are cameras that basically capture if there's an accident in the parking lot. There's nothing specifically aimed at this door that he goes to. Also, this door is stuck back in this little alcove. It's covered by an eave. There are shadows, and there's no camera pointing at the door. So I can't actually see him picking the lock. The next look I get at him is when he enters the bar. But really, he got in very quickly, under a minute, which was impressive if he, in fact, did pick this lock. So I suspend this case. What does that mean, you suspend it? It means I don't have any more leads to go on. I mean, if an informant comes forward and says, hey, I know who picked the lock to that business and stole, you know, he had 15 grand cash with him. Yeah, I want to listen to that guy and hear what he has to say. But at this point, all I've got is surveillance footage of him arriving on this bicycle. And then once he gets inside, I can get a rough clothing description, but I can't see his face. I don't have fingerprints, DNA anything like that that's going to lead me directly to a suspect. So I suspend the case, waiting for more leads to come in. I have a question about suspending the case. You just file paperwork and say, this is what I found out, this is a dead end, and unless something else happens, nothing else is going to be done, and then somebody signs that paper for you, like your sergeant? My sergeant has to approve it, but it's literally the last line in my report. Under my status, it'll say, case suspended pending more investigative leads. Okay. And that's it. And it sits. We put it in the cellar. It goes into the wine cellar and marinates and ages. And sometimes we get, I say sometimes, oftentimes, we'll end up at a drug search warrant in a house. And you go into bad guy's bedroom and they've cataloged or stored different things that they've bartered for drugs. So we'll find cell phone, car chargers, tablets, iPads, wallets, ID, Anything that a tweaker or someone breaking into cars can use for currency to get their next bag of drugs. In this case, the stolen property is cash, and we can't track cash, so it makes it more difficult. Right. A lot of times we'll solve a burglary or someone breaking into a car because we come across the stolen property later on down the line. It has some sort of identifying mark that we can relate to that original case. And that's how we clear burglaries and car break-ins. So how long does it sit suspended? Well, fast for a few days. And Detective Don, who's been a guest on the show, he also investigated burglary. So I had one half of the city and he had the other half. And I don't always know the cases that he's being assigned But we start communicating, and I'm getting case after case after case over the next couple of weeks. Every day I'm getting these cases, and they've all got some similarities to them. And so Don and I start speaking, and he notices the same thing. Don gets a case, and we're able to watch the video, and you can actually see this guy picking the lock. And now I'm like, holy shit, he's really picking the lock. We watch him do it, and he's got a lookout with him who's dumber than a bag of hammers. Because he pulls his mask up right in front of the camera. Really? And we recognize him. He's a frequent flyer. Bingo. Now we've got a lead. So now we're looking for this accomplice, but we can't find him. He's not at the house that he lists as his address. His dad has kicked him out because he knows that John is into drugs and stealing stuff. He's actually stolen stuff from his father. And John is the lookout? Yeah, John's the lookout. 
So we flag him in our system. Next time he has police contact, we'll get notified so we can go have a conversation with him. Meanwhile, we're getting case after case after case. And what I begin to notice is a lot of them are bars or delis, so cash businesses, right? We have video lottery in our state, and bars commonly keep that cash in a safe or whatever. So a lot of cash goes into those video lottery machines, and our burglar seems to be targeting those businesses. And we also notice the way he's gaining entry, and I hesitate to say too much on this podcast about his method of entry because I don't want somebody to copy what this suspect did and be able to break into businesses. That's fair. We start educating all of our criminals on how to avoid capture (laughs) and make it harder on us. We're giving away trade secrets. It's a little bit of a double-edged sword here. Sure. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Protect yourselves. Protect us. Yeah. (laughs) So our suspect, who we later find out is named Max, is targeting these specific locks that are on doors at these businesses. It's called a mortise lock. And a mortise lock is just the lock. It's not a door handle. It's a deadbolt. It's a deadbolt. And he knows how to defeat these locks if they lack a certain feature on them. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Because I have no idea what you're talking about, so that's probably safe. This guy's good. He likely cases every place that he's going to. He's probably been in the business during daylight hours, and he's probably taking note of where cameras are, where they're not, where the blind spots are. And so when you get into those types of guys, they turn into these prolific cases where we've got handfuls of burglaries every week, multiple a night on some occasions. And the guy's just working through his city, going from business to business where he goes, oh, that lock I recognize, I could take that one. Wow. So John is the guy that you identify through Detective Don's burglary cases on the other side of town. You recognize him as somebody who, you call him a frequent flyer, he's frequently caught up in some sort of robbery situation. I wouldn't necessarily call him a burglar. Okay. But he's definitely a participant in this burglary at this deli that occurs, and Max is picking the lock while John is the lookout, and John takes his mask off and is featured on television. I see. So what I didn't get is there were two guys in that video. Correct. And when you say you're getting these multiple hits on burglaries, are they days apart, weeks apart? What are we talking? Usually they're days apart. Sometimes there's multiple burglaries in one night. And I've got examples of that where businesses are maybe 200, 300 yards apart and they both got hit in the same evening. And the same night, same method of entry. So literally over probably the span of 100 days, I end up getting in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 burglaries that this guy is good for. Oh, my my God. God. That's how prolific he was. And not just in my city, it's in the neighboring city also. We're separated by a freeway. Burglars, sometimes they're territorial, but this guy's territory is if it's a business that has cash. That's his territory. So really anywhere he'll go. So another burglary happens at another bar, same kind of lock. And this is where I notice his discipline. He shows up, he's captured on video. The camera's inside, but the windows to the bar, you can see outside and you see this guy arrive. And you can see that he's by the mortise lock at the front door doing something. There's some movement there and it's a little grainy, the video, but you can tell he's doing something. And he walks away. And he's gone for about an hour. Then he comes back. He literally walks right in the door. So what he had done is he had 
defeated this lock and walked away, probably hid in the bushes or whatever, waiting to see if the police would show up if there was an alarm activation. And since nobody showed up, then he came back and he just walked right in the front door. Wow. That's incredible. And took his time. So he roams freely in this business and I capture him on all the cameras inside the business. You can really map him out. And he kicks in the door to the office of this place and is scrounging around and he actually misses about $6,000 that was basically hidden in plain sight. How did he miss that? I don't know. I think he was looking for a safe or something like that and he just passed over six grand cash. Where was it? Um, I don't want to give away too much, but it was literally hiding in plain sight and he just passed right over it. And then he goes to the cash register and I get a really good look at him. There's a video camera for employee theft right above the cash register. And he's working on this cash register. And I notice a couple things, same mask that I'd seen in the other bar burglary, right? He's got a jacket that has this white stitching in the infrared camera really picks up the white stitching. So it's a black jacket, but the white stitching is really distinct in this video. And he's got this little pry tool. It's an altered screwdriver that he's made into a burglary tool. He's customized it for himself. So I get really good pictures of him because the camera's directly over his head. And you can see his face through the mask? I can't see his face, but it's definitely the same mask. It's that tight spandex type material that we don't see often. So I'm really struck by his patience that he waited around to see if the police were going to show up and they did not. So then he felt like, well, I'll just go in there and I'll burglarize a place. That makes me so surprised that he would have missed that $6,000 because when he kicks down the door, I'm like, well, maybe he missed it because he was nervous or had that adrenaline rush, but it sounds like he was really measured. Yeah, but it shows that he makes mistakes too. He's not perfect, but he's good. He's the best I've seen so far, and I don't like giving compliments to burglars, but (laughs) he's good at his craft. Hey, small town fam, it's Yardley. It's gonna be summer soon, so the potential for stinky pits is imminent. That's why I really love Lumi. I'm obsessed with their sweat control, cream deodorant. I think I've said this so many times, but honest to God, I never thought I'd use a cream deodorant because they're sloppy and gloppy and sticky and bleh. But Lumi isn't any of those things. It dries quickly, it's never sticky, and it doesn't leave any white streaks on my dark clothing. So all of those things are a win for me. If you're not familiar with Lumi, let me tell you a few things. Six years ago, an OBGYN invented her game-changing whole body deodorant, and now it has over 300,000 five-star reviews from people like me. Lumi is baking soda-free, paraben-free, and pH-balanced, so it's safe for your pits and your bits, which means you can use it below the belt. They have a lovely variety of fresh, bright scents like clean tangerine, my favorite, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. And the secret to Lumi's success is it's formulated and powered by mandelic acid. That's how it stops odor before it starts. So, small town fam, Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, my fave, and two free products of your choice, like mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. And on top of that, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off 
all Lumi products with our exclusive code, which is SMALLTOWN. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. So use code SMALLTOWN for 15% off your first purchase at LumiDeodorant.com. That's code SMALLTOWN at L-U-M-E Deodorant.com. Do it. Hey folks, Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360 degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. You get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing I can leave the house, I can leave town, I can even leave the country, and I know my home is Simply Safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. U.S. News and World Report names Simply Safe. Best Home Security Systems 2024. And Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts. And if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash small town. That's simplysafe.com slash small town. There's no safe like simply safe. Hey, small town fam. It's Yardley. I want to talk about pros. Pros is the custom hair and skin beauty brand where you get on their website, answer a bunch of questions about where you live and how old you are, what kind of hair you have, what kind of hair you want to have. And then, from millions of possible formulas, they create a formula just for you. So I'm lucky I have a lot of hair. Most days, my hair is the boss of me. So I need shampoo and conditioner that gets my hair to calm down a little bit. So I've been using Pros for a while, and one of my favorite things about it is you can choose your scent. They have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and then adjusts the formula. Also, Pros is a certified B Corp. It's cruelty-free, and it's the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So it's not only better for you, it's better for the planet. So, small town fam, Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash town. That's right. You get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash town. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com 
slash town. Do it. So over these hundred days, one of the burglaries I'm assigned is a concrete cutting company, and they have a bunch of tools stolen. This one is a little different because how he made entry is he cuts a window out, like the whole pane. He didn't cut a hole in the window and climb through. He cut the weather stripping around the window and removed the whole window. And you can see the suction cup marks on the window. That's really like James Bond. Yeah. yeah. So now his MO has changed a little bit. I still think it's the same guy, but I can't be totally certain because I don't have video of him in this one. How do you know he'd use the suction cups on the window? You can see the marks. Oh, so he leaves the window. He leaves the window. He actually put the window back. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, I really want him to like have worn a tuxedo for this particular <laughs> one. just for. <laughs> and in this particular burglary, he takes roto hammers, he takes some concrete cutting tools. This company also had a suit of armor in their office. Like a knight. Like a knight in shining armor. And he, <laughs> he stole the right arm and the helmet. <laughs> Just the right arm and the helmet? And the sword. Oh, my God. Wow. And that's what the business is really upset about because... (laughs) It's a collector's item. Yeah. The owner was really, really proud of this suit of armor, and this guy just took it. It's funny because every morning we have briefing, and all the detectives go through what cases they're working and what they've got. And this is about the time that the ribbing really starts because we're all, so, Dan, what do you got today? And we already know what the answer is. And we start chiming on him, you know, this guy's really kicking the shit out of you right now. What are you going to do about it? I mean, we've got citizens out there that feel unsafe. They're just getting pillaged by this guy. And what have you done about this? And Dan's just rolling his eyes because he's like, well, you tell me where to start. It's a tough room. (laughs) In all seriousness, is that ribbing just like fueling your own fire? I mean, you have to be frustrated at this point. The fact that these guys are giving me shit, like that's part of it. You're going to take it. You just got to take it. (laughs) And I did. But at the same time, I want to catch this guy so bad because he's just slapping me around in front of my coworkers is really what he's doing. (laughs) God, brutal. So what do you do next? So he breaks into this company that does fiber optic stuff and he steals these fusion splicers, which I didn't even know what it was, but it's to like splice fiber optic cable. Why would you need that? I have no idea. Because you run out of cable at some point, you got to connect it to another end. Oh, why would no, the burglar but, need it? Yeah, why would a layperson need some <laughs> fiber optic splice? So literal over <laughs> here. <laughs> so this fiber optic place is about 900 feet from the concrete cutting business. He did those burglaries back-to-back nights. This concrete place is in a cul-de-sac, and one of the businesses at the head of the cul-de-sac had a surveillance camera that captured his vehicle. No longer is he on a bike, he's now in a car. Yes, it's a truck and I'm able to see a couple distinct things, but still it's infrared, so I can't tell the color. I know it's a dark colored pickup and it looks like it's got chrome wheels. That's about all I can get out of this thing. I can't get the license plate, but now I've got something to look for at least. Just quickly, do you know why he would want to steal fiber optic cables? I mean, He didn't take money. So do you think this is related to his burglary aspirations? It seems like he's getting more emboldened, you know? I don't know. I don't think he knew what he was taking because I talked to this business owner. He said there's no market for that. You can't sell it on the black market. They're registered. 
you have to have software to operate these. It's not like selling a bunch of tools that somebody could use. Yeah. But these fusion splicers, one of them's worth $35,000 and the other one's worth $20,000. <gasps> but when he's in this fiber optic business, he also takes a couple credit cards. He took a couple credit cards from the concrete cutting business also. And the other thing he takes from this fiber optic place is a blanket that belongs to the owner's daughter. Why would he do that? So the owner's daughter would come to the office every now and then, and she had a blanket that she kept there. And our burglar took this blanket. A little girl? Little girl. Uh-huh. This blanket and had a snowflake design on it. So just file that away. Okay. So a couple of weeks later, we have another one of these deli slash video lottery places that gets burglarized. At first, the owners can't figure out how the guy got in because their front door is locked, but they're missing their money. Everything's intact. Yeah. So this deli that got burglarized is next to a smoke shop, and they share a common wall. Okay. The smoke shop is abandoned. It's closed for business, but somebody's still paying the lease on it. And the video lottery deli is the one that got burglarized. So initially, I just review the patrol officer's report, talking about the removed glass from the smoke shop window, the hole about 12 feet from that door, and then that hole leading into the common wall of the deli and the smoke shop. So I get video and begin watching hours and hours of surveillance video. From the deli? From the deli. And they have multiple cameras. So I've got all the camera feeds up on my computer screen. And I'm kind of staring at the middle of my computer screen so I can see all of them at the same time. And I'm looking for just a sign of movement. So I can really hone in on which camera I should be concentrating on. And then I can enlarge it and zoom in and do things like that. All of a sudden, I see this head pop up from behind this booth. And I'm like, oh, that's where he came in. And I have the, oh, man, we missed something moment. And I respond back out to the smoke shop. And it's an L-shaped building. So I end up venturing around the corner of the L. And I discover this bigger hole, large enough for a human to crawl through in this back room wall that is, again, a common wall with the deli. And it's from that hole he pushed the booth out of the way? Yep. Oh, my God. The sophistication of this burglar, he had probably scouted this location prior and knew that the smoke shop was a closed business, so they're not going to have an alarm. And if he goes through the drywall, he's likely going to bypass any alarm that's set on a window or a door. The only thing he's got to worry about in this case is a motion detector inside the deli. And if he pops up, activates the motion detector, and there's an audible alarm, he can just pop right back down, pull the booth back up against the wall, and no one's the wiser. That's so calculating. That's amazing. So I found the hole from the smoke shop to the deli, and I also found a shoe print in the drywall dust. So when he cut the wall bunch of dust from the drywall. He steps in it and I've got this perfect shoe print. Literally two days later, another deli gets broken into. And this deli is kind of interesting in that the two neighboring office spaces are empty. So they're just empty buildings and sandwiched in between. Pun intended. Deli Ah, sandwiched in between. Uh, That's good. (laughs) So many eye rolls. You guys can't see it. So many eye rolls. Sandwiched in between is this deli They got burglarized, and you can't see the entry point until you really start looking. And they find some drywall dust inside the business. 
I go to the neighboring businesses that are empty. So nobody's going to notice a burglary there because nobody goes to those businesses. And I've got a mortise lock that's removed from a door. And then I have the drywall to this deli, like this common wall that they have, is cut open in the back. And it literally backs up to the ATM that's in the deli. And the back of the ATM is cut open and all the cash is gone. No. Yeah. The level of sophistication. So Dave touched on it earlier. This guy's going into businesses and he's mapping them out. And I really think that he paced it off. How far would I have to go? How many paces to get to the ATM? So I'm thinking here in the previous two days, I'm going to have him on video in this business. Right. And I go look and I can't find him. And he may have been in there and was just kind of looking, but I don't know what this guy looks like to begin with, right? He wears a mask whenever I've seen him on video. So I don't even know what I'm actually looking for. I was just really looking for somebody who was totally obviously mapping the inside of this business. So I don't see him, but I've also got in the drywall the same footprint that I had at the other deli. Same. Same footprint. Do you at least know what shoe he's sporting? I know that I'll recognize the tread. I don't know what make and model of this shoe is. I don't know if it's a Nike or whatever, but I definitely know the tread pattern. Okay. I always call that the CSI effect. We have people who go, well, there's a shoe print database, right? And you can tell the size and <laughs> lot number. And I'm like, no, that's TV. <laughs> It is TV. I wish we had that. In certain cases, you can go to the FBI and they have that information. But in a case like this, they would laugh me out of the room. Right. Because it's not big enough. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to help you with your deli burglaries. Yeah. At this point, is this all within the 100 days so far? Yeah. So the burglary started in April and we're into July now. He's got buco bucks. Do you really think he's got all that money though? I think he spent it all on dope, and that's why he has to keep doing burglaries. Interesting. Okay. So now that he's cut into this ATM through the adjoining wall, I'm just getting pissed. I'm so frustrated that he's kicking my ass this bad that I'm I'm pissed. <laughs> so I had a theory that patrol was going to have to catch this guy. And so I start going to patrol briefings, especially during graveyard, because this guy was breaking into businesses during graveyard hours. So I go brief the graveyard shift of our department and kind of give them what I've got. I've got the truck, right? I'm looking for a guy who appears white to me in the videos that I've seen when I've gotten glimpses of maybe a piece of skin or whatever uh, between his gloves and his sleeves of his jacket. So I think it's a white male. I'm looking for a guy who has a lockpick set Or I'm looking for somebody who may have suction cups for dealing with windows because this last burglary that I had, he had removed a window in one of the side businesses and you could see the same suction cup marks on that window too. Three days later, after the ATM heist, our officers get dispatched to a theft in progress. And thank God for this program called Lifeline that was implemented 28 years ago where low-income people, even transients, now have cell phones. On the streets, they call them Obama phones. Uh Uh-huh. And this guy living under the bridge, under the freeway, has a Lifeline phone. Oh, my God. And he actually witnesses this guy breaking into a business. And he calls 911 and says, hey, this guy's breaking in. It was a canopy business, like truck canopies. 
So you put them on top of the back of the pickup to cover it. Yeah. Okay. And Max is trying to steal a canopy and, and... Hide his stuff. Hide his truck full of stolen goods, right? And a homeless guy dialed 911 on him. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So we got there and Max abandoned this canopy because it was too cumbersome to deal with and he couldn't do it by himself. He needed a partner. Where's John? Yeah, what the heck happened to John? Right. Well, during this investigation, John gets picked up by the police doing some other bad stuff. And when they search him in his possession, he's got forged checks from the business that he and Max burglarized. And John apparently was really tight with Max and wouldn't give him up. He said it's some dude named Trevor and he just wouldn't give him up, even though he was on the hook for felony burglary. Like, you're going to prison, dude. Wow. So he's in jail when Max is doing this canopy burglary. Hang on a sec, let me just recap. So we have this transient who's living under the freeway, under a bridge, and he uses his lifeline cell phone to call the police because he sees a theft in progress. And it's Max trying to steal a truck canopy, but it's too heavy for him to lift by himself, so he just leaves it behind? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And as Max is leaving this business, our officers are arriving and they stop the vehicle and go up and contact Max. Max has his mask, he's got his tools, and he's got a lockpicking set yes. in his pocket. Remember, I had briefed all of the patrol shifts about this guy, asking them to call me if they caught the guy. And this is only a couple of days before that I'd done that. Well, nobody called me. No. They had arrested him at three or four in the morning. And I'm sitting at home enjoying my last day off. It's Sunday now. And I get a phone call at about 3 p.m. that day. One of the other patrols had remembered my briefing to them. And one of the guys called me and said, hey, did you know that they arrested some dude that had a pickup and a lock picking set? When? <laughs> I want to know when. He said, oh, earlier on Graveyard last night, they arrested him and he should be in the jail. I just figured you'd want to know. Immediately, I call our county jail and let him know, hey, I'm going to be coming over. I'm going to talk to this guy. Our county jail had already released him. Oh, what? my God. He was in jail for about five hours. <gasps> Why would they release him? <sighs> I don't know. I was so fr <laughs> A lot of uh, colorful language came out of my mouth. <laughs> I can speak to why. Um, the situation locally with some of our public safety measures and the support has not always been there. And so some of the agencies in our area struggle with budget issues. So the jail at that time is holding on to people that are committing personal crimes. They're holding on to the violent offenders, the major stuff. And so at that point, all they know is this guy got picked up with burglar's tools and committed a burglary, but that doesn't rise to the, hey, we have to hold on to this guy factor. And if they would have just called Dan, then Dan probably would have added 10, 15 burglaries on top of that and got him to the point where the jail goes, oh, no, we're not letting this guy go. Oh, that's so disappointing. And it makes sense. Even in big cities, you have budget issues, but they just had no idea. You've been looking for this guy for 100 days. And I don't know how the breakdown in communication happened because everybody knew that I was looking for this guy. And I'd sent out a lot of department-wide emails with suspect descriptions and just updating people on what was going on in my investigation. So I was frustrated because I really looked forward to having a conversation. And honestly, my feeling 
in interviewing this guy was I was going to appeal to his ego. I think he knew exactly what he was doing and that he was kicking my ass and the neighboring agency's ass. And I thought he was probably pretty proud of it. And I wanted to have that conversation with Max and I never got a chance to, which I'll tell you about in a minute. One good thing that came out of this is patrol impounded Max's truck and they brought it back to the station for me. So I take one look around this vehicle and I start noticing property that I'm looking for. I can't search the vehicle because he hasn't given consent, but in plain view, I can see these things. So I write a search warrant for his vehicle. Meanwhile, while I'm doing this, I find out about another burglary that just occurred. And it literally occurred about an hour and a half after he got let out of jail. He committed another burglary, <sighs> literally a hundred feet from the concrete cutting business. Oh, that's so devastating. And I think it's because he needed some money. That's his version of an ATM is go break into something and steal. And did that burglary that happened 90 minutes after he got out of jail, is that in broad daylight? That was in broad daylight. Really? Yeah. But it's on a weekend, so it's a business kind of industrial complex and nobody was there. I see. Still, that seems like an escalating factor that now he's willing to rob things during the day, or had you found that before? I think he was desperate. Nine out of 10 burglaries before it was nighttime. I see. So I start going through some of our neighboring agencies' burglaries, and I start noticing items that are listed in these reports, I can clearly see in the bed of this pickup. So I get in touch with the detectives from a neighboring agency and let them know what I've got. I also write a search warrant for the vehicle. I get into the vehicle, I get the phone, I have to write a search warrant for the phone. I get into the phone and I hit the jackpot. What do you find on his phone? He's recently visited Expedia, and he's bought himself a plane ticket to a neighboring state, and I've already missed him. He's gone. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it takes me a couple days to get all these warrants written, so he's already gone. I'm not going to have a conversation with this guy. I see that he rented a vehicle when his plane landed in this neighboring state, so I call the rental car company. I tell them what I'm doing. They take my information down. Meanwhile, I'm going through his phone and there are thousands of files and I get into his pictures and it was really the happy moment for me where I was like, I got you, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a picture of the back of the ATM that had been cut open on his phone. He also had a picture that was taken and the timestamp matched when he was inside burglarizing the business. Boom. And it's a victory picture. Like, look what I did. Yeah. And he had actually sent it to his friends who were in the neighboring state who he's going down to visit. Shut up. And said, look what I did. Wow. Um, he also had a picture of him holding all the cash. Oh. And that was time stamped about 40 minutes after the ATM picture was taken. Was it a selfie or was there somebody else there taking that picture? It's a selfie and his face isn't in it, but you can see him holding the cash in his hand. And the jacket with the white stitching? Uh, no. Oh. So the jacket with the white stitching I found in the truck and, you know, I'm looking at this jacket and I'm looking at my enlarged surveillance photos, and it's the same one. I also find the pry tool. So now I've got the mask, the jacket, the pry tool. I've got all these other items that were taken. So you have his whole disguise and his tool of choice now. One of his tools of choice, yes. What about the snowflake blanket? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. The snowflake blanket is in the bed of the pickup. 
there's a bunch of fiber optic wire. And that's why he needed this canopy because he couldn't hide it. He had so much stuff in there. And weird specific stuff. Yeah. So the next thing that I see on the phone is a picture of him wearing a knight's helmet. (gasps) And one right arm of armor? Well, I, I can't say it's him. Because he's got the helmet on, but he's got the right arm on. What about the sword? He's got the sword and he's got the helmet on. And maybe that's why he only took one arm because you can't take a selfie if you have. (laughs) Right. Sure. The touch code doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got that picture and he's in a motel room. So I start going through his Google history. I had written a warrant for all this stuff and I'm really getting to learn about Max and I hate him. I hate so much. What's he Googling? He's booking motels to stay at. So I go to those motels and confirm that he stayed there on these dates. And then I go look in the rooms. And when he takes pictures with stolen property on his phone, he's in these hotel rooms and I can match up. He was in this room. Look, I just took a picture of this room. It matches this. All the dates match up that are time stamped on these photos. So I'm really just kind of building my case. So when I actually do have a conversation with Max. Provable lies. Provable lies. And it's just a mountain of evidence against this guy. And you're trying to tie him to individual burglaries because those are all charges. Ding, ding, ding. They're separated by place and time. And that at sentencing turns into consecutive sentences rather than, hey, since you did this crime while you were committing this burglary, those are going to run concurrently at the same time. If you can get them separated, that's how we get these big prison sentences because, hey, when you're done with that crime, you got six more years on this one. Wow. Now that you've gotten to know Max more intimately with access to his phone where his entire life lives, does your suspicion that he's stealing to primarily score more drugs line up or are you getting a different picture now? So I get into his text messages and some of his Facebook messages and he's a drug addict. Heroin? Heroin and meth. He wasn't too picky and a lot of these people, they'll take heroin and then they'll take meth And then they'll take heroin, and then they'll take meth, because that's how they stay regular. Meth is a stimulant, and heroin is a sedative. As I'm going through his phone, I find in his text messages that he mentions that he's got a storage unit. So I wrote a search warrant for Max's storage unit, and the owner basically let me and another detective have unlimited access to their surveillance system. He was awesome. If you've never seen his face, how do you know what he looks like on camera? Well, he's been arrested, right? Oh, of course, of course. So now I can take his arrest photo to the owner of that storage unit, confirm that he's the actual renter of that unit. Right. And I've got his phone and he's got a lot of selfies. He likes to show off his trophy shots of his burglaries. So the storage unit door goes up. It's like, let's make a deal. (laughs) And ta-da! Everything. Everything. It's literally packed to the ceiling. It's probably a 8 by 10 storage unit, and it's packed to the ceiling. With stolen goods. Stolen property. And I'm recognizing everything. A ground-penetrating radar unit. What would you what? use that for? See, it goes beyond the drugs because he's not selling all of it. But it's one of those, you're walking through a business and you go, oh, I don't know what that is and what I can get for it, but it looks expensive. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe. So you just grab it. Yeah. Like he doesn't have an eBay account on his phone that you're finding? He's using Craigslist and every day he's trying to score dope. When I went through his text messages, I recognized a lot of street slang for drugs. Like he used fire for heroin. 
Or they'll just send the fire emoji, things like that. He liked the word fire for heroin. And meth, what was one of his slangs for meth? Uh, do you have any dope? That's so vague, though. I know. I thought dope was marijuana. I thought so, too. In our world, dope is typically the methamphetamine in our local area. Or like heroin, they'll call it dark. Do you have any dark? Uh-huh. Yeah. Did Max come from a good family or did he come from a tough situation? What do you know about that? Uh, it came from a great family. Good, solid family. Max had been, uh, I think he was married, and I spoke to his wife during this whole thing. She had since left him when he relapsed, but she was great, great woman. She was more than helpful. He just made some really bad decisions and just plummeted, and it was all because of drug use. Right. So now you have this huge body of evidence against Max, but he's in another state. So what do you do? I remove everything out of that storage unit that I even suspect is stolen. Basically, at this point, I'm just concentrating on returning property to everybody. And everybody is so thankful. Another thing I did is I called that neighboring state and said, there's a guy that I'm looking for. I've got probable cause to arrest down in your neck of the woods. Beware. And they kind of blew me off. I think they were thinking, hey, this is a small town detective. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, we know how to do our job. Thanks. And they blew me off. I got a phone call from a private investigator who worked for the rental car company. And Max had never taken his rental car back. And they were actively looking for this car. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from the police department down there. And they say, hey, do you know Max? Hey, yeah, I know Max. I called down there to a couple agencies, not yours. But they said, well... He's been breaking into houses and businesses down here and using that rental car. So he had rented the car for like three days. We're now at probably three and a half weeks to a month and he never returned the rental car. So the rental car company reports the vehicle stolen and within a couple days, it's located by a patrol officer. Oh. And he's in this car and it's just full of property. One of the things he notices- Who notices? uh, This detective down there, he notices this notebook. And it's got drawings of businesses that I recognize from my burglaries. Oh. And how if you cut the wall here, this is where this is. This is where the ATM is if you cut the wall here and all that. It was great. So I asked for that, at least photocopies of those things. He also had, um, let me see if I can find this because I'll read it to you. It was Max's manifesto. He had a manifesto? Yeah. So Max wasn't totally, completely selfish. He, in his wisdom, has written and authored a self-help book on how you can make your house or your personal property a little more secure. Really? That's so thoughtful. Yeah. Title of his book is B&E, like breaking and entering, done right, security done wrong. Oh. All right. It's catchy. By the way, did he write the full thing or? I think it's a work in progress and it may have gotten interrupted by a law enforcement intervention. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So I'll just read it to you in certain points because the punctuation is basically non-existent in this. And some of the handwriting... um, It's terrible. Yeah. Grammatically, it's a tough thing to read and not sound like a moron. It's written in longhand, in pen, in a composition book. So here we go. B&E done right, security done wrong by Max. (laughs) First off, I'd like to say that this book is for educational purposes only. And the techniques detailed are for business and homeowners to learn how to better safeguard their lives and belongings and peace of mind. Chapter one. 
I think I'll start this book off with some rants about the illusions of security. Even with all my knowledge of vulnerability and the security of a building, there still isn't a way to 100% stop. And this is where it gets muddled a bit, so I'll just skip a little bit. Uh, There isn't a way to 100% stop or a seasoned criminal mastermind with enough desire and willpower any person can get into just about anywhere, given enough time. Locks, alarms, and security personnel are set up only as deterrents to slow a crook down. Most crime is committed in an opportunistic manner, such as a purse left unattended at the grocery store, a window or garage door that might have been left open by accident, a tin left in a barista's window at the coffee shop. So what I'm getting at is... The first step to higher security is personal responsibility. I know it sucks that we live in a world that we have to lock up our belongings tighter than a drum every second of the day, but unfortunately we do. So as you go about your day, pay close attention to how you organize and place your belongings. I can't stress that enough because it only takes three seconds for your purse or wallet to be stolen out of your car. One second for the crook to notice and decide what they are going to do. And then it... I'm assuming a police car may have pulled up behind him right at that point. Because uh, it just ends. Yeah. And that's the extent of his book. That's the self-help portion of his book. And didn't you say when we were discussing the case last night that Max also had the names and social security numbers of some of the people he'd burglarized? Yes, he did. So obviously he was dabbling in some identity theft, which that is a crime that continues to victimize you even years after you were initially victimized, and it's uh, it's despicable. So at this point, my investigation is now starting to really gain some momentum. And the credit cards that we had recovered, I was able to go back and find that there were some fraudulent transactions. I go to a Walmart, and I'm able to find video of a transaction that took place there, and it's Max on the video. With the stolen credit card. Yep. With the stolen credit card, he's wearing a local brewing company's t-shirt, which has also been stolen when they got burglarized. And it's crystal clear. It's max all day long. And it's just another I got you moment. Wow. So just he's wearing a t-shirt from the business he burglarized? Yes. That's ballsy. Yeah. So Max is arrested in a neighboring state, and he's put in the jail there. Is he arrested because they find the stolen rental car? Stolen rental car, and he literally just had finished breaking into a business. So down there, their detectives had alerted their patrol also to be on the lookout for this guy who's doing industrial burglaries. Kicking their ass? Kicking their ass. And he was using the same techniques he'd used in my city, and he was doing great. Do you know how many burglaries he committed before they caught up to him? I think it was almost 10. Wow. And he had only been down there for about a month. So I knew that he needs dope and he needs money. So he's got to start up again because all of his stolen property, I have. (laughs) Right. His income. What kind of sentence did Max get? He ended up serving some jail time in the neighboring state for the offenses that he committed down there. And then in our state, he got seven years. Only seven years? That's it? Yeah. I was not totally happy with his conviction in the deal he got, but I also understand that our DA's got a job to do. And the way it was explained to me was he was doing mostly business burglaries and it was hard for him as a DA to justify giving somebody 20 years when somebody who kills someone 
doesn't even get 20 years. I see. These are small business owners. These aren't corporations that are getting burglarized. So they take quite a hit, especially when he's stealing equipment like those fusion splicers. That was a real big interruption to this company's work. If you could say anything to Max, what would it be? You know, I'm competitive. I don't like to lose. And for a while there, he was winning, but he didn't win the game. I think Max is incredibly bright and skilled. Obviously, he's driven to do this many burglaries, and I wish he had made some different choices and channeled that in a different way and made a positive impact. On his own life. On his own life, and it's just unfortunate that addiction takes its toll like this. He just happens to be really bright. We deal with a lot of people who have addiction, but they haven't applied themselves in school like Max obviously has. Uh Uh-huh. Or written a how-to manual. (laughs) I thought you were going to thank him for all the overtime. (laughs) I did get get quite a bit of overtime, but I got a lot of headaches too, so. Do you feel satisfied personally now that that's sort of put to rest? I mean, seven years isn't a lot. I feel like he's so addicted to so many things outside of even just drugs. It's hard to think that somebody like that's going to get out and just be clean. Yeah. Well, I think he thinks it's a skill that he can fall back on. And consider this isn't Max's first time in prison. He was in prison before for doing the same stuff. And I'm guessing during his previous stretch, it was like going to burglar college for him. He learned all these new skills while he was there. What a fascinating case. It's such a crazy case. It's so detective-y, the way you connected those dots. Bravo, Dan. Bravo. Thank you. And thank you for the ass-kicking, Max. Small Town Dicks is produced by Zibby Allen and Yardley Smith and co-produced by Detectives Dan and Dave. This episode was edited by Soren Bation, Yardley Smith, and Zibby Allen. Music for the show was composed by John Forrest. Our associate producer is Erin Gaynor, and our books are cooked and cats wrangled by Ben Cornwell. If you like what you hear and want to stay up to date with the show, head on over to smalltowndicks.com and become our pal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Small Town Dicks. We love hearing from our small town fam, so hit us up. Yeah, and also we have a YouTube channel where you can see trailers for past and forthcoming episodes. And we're part of Stitcher Premium now. That's right. If you choose to subscribe, you'll be supporting our podcast. That way, we can keep going to small towns across the country and bringing you the finest in rare true crime cases, told, as always, by the detectives who investigated them. Thanks for listening, small town fam. Nobody's better than you.